I've lived in New Jersey my entire life. I've been a fiction writer, actor, playwright, blogger, gourmet chef, home renovator, event planner, landscape architect, and decorator. Now, I'm married to a professional drummer who is also an award-winning photographer, so the arts have always been really important to me. There are so many people in New Jersey that are involved in the arts, and I am planning to talk to all of them. Well, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. And I'm inviting you to listen in. I'm Lucille Sapio, talking arts and culture, and this is Hazlitt Coffee Talk, not so famous in New Jersey. My guest today is Joe Malone, a truly unique character. Joe describes himself as an actor who is also a screenwriter, a DIY filmmaker, a singer, and beyond. My conversation with Joe goes in a thousand different directions, from cannabis to cancel culture, to serial killers, to ageism and sexism, even bedwetting and British TV. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So I'm here today with Joe Malone. Hello, Joe. Hello. So I know you worked for quite a while as an actor, so let's start by talking about your acting career. You know, I started acting my junior year in high school, Leonia High School. They were casting for the play The Mouse That Roared. I think I got one of the leads, but I had no interest in acting yet. I didn't know anything. So I'm like, I'm not going to do the lead. It sounded nerve-wracking, first of all. So I'm like, I'll take a smaller role of like Will Tatum or whatever. I was supposed to just kind of come on stage at one point and do something very simple. But I Rapunzeled on stage and got a huge laugh from the audience. And it sounds corny, but I was hooked. It was like, it just kind of went off in my head, like, this is what I want to do. You kind of got addicted to that rush of adrenaline of the audience responding to you. Right. And I thought I could do it well. Like, even though I was just hamming it up, I actually learned later as an actor, I did what you're not supposed to do, right? Anyway, so that's where I started, and then I, I try. I was acting. I, first, I went to USC, University of Southern California, for one semester. Was, I didn't last long there, but I did a little acting there. Then I came to NYU, and I started acting. I got a lead right away. I was in The Mad Woman of Shio. I was in uh, Skin of Our Teeth. So then I'm acting proper, and also at NYU, there's all these student films, this and that. I always... Dislike the uh, audition process. Does any actor like the audition process? Well, I well, right, but but I have, <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of actors are like this too. Maybe most, but I have like pre-social kind of anxieties. I, I then went to California right after college, and at first again, I I, I got a play called Testing Negative. So I did that, and I got an, uh, a good agency called Progressive Artists, which at the time were the agency of record for Mickey Rourke. What happens is initially they send you out on a flurry of calls. Yeah. Again, I was nervous during the audition process. I was always had low self-esteem with that. I sucked. I did so bad there, and it hurt my feelings. They didn't drop me, but they stopped they sending they me out. They didn't push you, yeah. Really quickly. Like a flurry the first two weeks, and then that was it. And then yeah. they did drop me. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I, I remember that I had made my own movies at NYU. And cast myself. So after the California thing, I came back to New York. And so I already started this kind of, I now I call it DIY. And so that's when I started to go down that road. You wrote screenplays? Eventually I did. I've, I mean, I have written two feature film screenplays. The, the initial stuff, the, the movies were the uh, short films. And the first thing I did, which is also DIY, but it's not quite acting, is I started with my friend something called Showtime Video Review on public access television in Manhattan, mm-hmm. and where we reviewed movies. 
But we oh. did it with a comedic little stamp. We'd have some sketches like Saturday Night Live or Second City. But then basically, yes, I wrote a screenplay called The Man and decided to, to uh, film it myself on what was then uh, the, the top end analog high eight. People still shred me, meaning put me down or bust my chops, or certainly until recently, because a lot of times they're like, well, why are you doing this? I guess you like doing this, right? Because I've had almost no audience, you know? Although eventually now I kind of have an audience a little bit uh, because I made a documentary called First Call about people who drink in Manhattan in the morning. That was a black and white feature film documentary. And for some reason that that suddenly got popular on YouTube mm. years later, a little bit. Like it's yeah. got 755,000 views. Mm. I have 2,000 subscribers. It's all because of this. Now you said one of your favorite quotes was, I make movies that no one sees. And music that no one listens to. Right. So how do you remain gratified if that's if that's in fact true? Well, the irony is it's just, it's slightly not as true now because when <laughs> I said that I had like 50 subscribers, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm realistic. You know, no one knows who I am still. It's just one movie. Now, you know, you and I are we're alike in a lot of different ways. We're both creative. We're both actors, writers. But we have something about us that's maybe a little uncomfortable. If you don't want to talk about it. I like honesty. Okay. Bedwetting. Oh shit. All right, what the heck? We, we were both bedwetters. Yeah, okay. I am admitting I can't, that. I can't remember. I guess I already admitted that. You did. Let, yeah. We shared that. Good for you. That was an I mean, intimate I'm thing glad that we for shared. Yeah. I, uh, yes, it's true. <laughs> Till my first month of my 14th birthday. So do you think that that problem impacted the rest of your life, or what impact did it have on the rest of your life? If anything, I think it empowered me. So there was a movie, TV movie called The Loneliest Runner. Michael Landon. Michael Landon? Oh. Right. He was a bedwetter, and he was fam- very uh, outspoken about it. So he did this TV movie, which is about him. His mom used to hang out the wet sheets every time he'd wet so his everybody bed. everybody could see it. Everyone on the school bus. So he had to learn to run home and beat the bus. Yeah. My parents were so not like that. They were very permissive and cool. So I felt empowered because, A, I'd do sleepovers anyway. Mm-hmm. And I'd be a little manipulative. Like, I'd switch my wet sheets with my, my friend's younger brother. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, like, I remember one time there was a torturous, terrible counselor who had my, the sleeping bag up. Who wet their bed in front of all the kids? <sighs> and I'll never forget. I quick like this that I'm busted. They're all going to know my sleeping bag, even my friend. The, so I go, that was me. You scared the crap out of his life. And I pretended to be a bear because they were shaking on the yeah. thing, but they be a bear. And everyone started laughing, yeah. but not at me. Yeah. Because I, they were all scared of the bear, too. Yeah. So I remember I flipped that, like from pure abuse. So you, so you learned how to overcome. Right. So that, it empowered me. Right. But you outed yourself, too. True. I, I haven't told other people right. this. So this oh. is, I'm outing myself here. I actually feel like I had PTSD for years. Because I got to say, up until just a couple of years ago, whenever I went to the bathroom, I had to go, am I sleeping? Am so I awake? Self- when did you stop? Uh, probably about the same time as you, about 14, 15, yeah. Were your parents mean about it? Uh, my parents weren't mean about it, but, you know, it was embarrassing. My mother would be upset about it, and I had a rubber sheet under the regular sheet, and I would, like, bribe my sister not to tell my mother if I did. You weren't with boys yet, right? Like, sleeping over or or making any, uh, yeah. At that age, right? Well, (laughs) I don't know. Not sleeping over. What do you think, I'm a slut? (laughs) Hey, you. Let's get back to acting. Yeah. Now that you've we'll traumatized, traumatized me. Now that I've traumatized I think I... you. What are some of your favorite movies? 
Uh, Let the me ask Graduate. You Your favorite movies that you would like to have that part in one of those movies. Oh, yeah, sure. So The Graduate? Yeah, that, that was a big one for the, because of Benjamin Braddock. That idea of coming, kind of coming of age and not mm-hmm. knowing what you're going to do, mm-hmm. being very passive aggressive, but looking for a passion or, you know. Yeah. I just love that movie. Mike yeah. Nichols uh, is phenomenally directed mm-hmm. the soundtrack. First time ever that they use, like, rock and roll. Right, not like made up music. Yeah. yeah. Now we're used to that, but yeah. I, that might have been the first film. Yeah. Uh, Saturday Night Fever. Again, an underrated movie. To me, that's like a uh, Greek tragedy. He wants to make it in Manhattan. He likes the girlfriend. Get away from where he yeah. grew up. Yeah. He's bigger than that. I'm, anyway, I love that movie. And the music and the star-making performance. Well, you know what I don't like about that movie? The female lead? No, no, no. This actually came out when disco was big. Whenever you have a movie about a time period or a genre yeah. that you were a part of, you know what's wrong with it. Yeah. You know, he yeah. was supposed to be this incredible dancer, and it's like, right. he's not. Right. Not by the standards at that time. Right. I don't know if mo- movies aren't meant to capture the reality of the time. Documentaries mm-hmm. are. But you, I see your point. So we have The Graduate. And Saturday Night Fever. Saturday Night Fever. A third one would be At Close Range. And what part in that would you want to have? Sean Penn's part, I guess. Because it's technically based on Joe Callinger, who... Oh, oh, my favorite serial killer. You know about him. Oh, are you kidding? He also used to sell farming, steal farming equipment. By the way, he had the worst murder in Leonia, where I grew up. He killed his own son. I know. Did you? Oh, yeah. did he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he made his son go with him. Yes, one his of son his... son had the baseball And bat. killed the other son. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, you're right. Yeah. How do oh. you know about him? I, I love you serial killers. I love serial killers. I mean, I don't love them. I mean, right. I love you reading about them. serial killers. Me too. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why, like, sometimes, like, I'll, I'll meet somebody and go, "That person's a potential serial killer." Right. <laughs> like, you think you're don't right? Don't take a ride. Do you have with a good him. instinct. I don't know, but I'm gonna trust it. <laughs> if I yeah, think yeah. someone is a potential serial killer, I'm gonna. I mean, like, you know, I read all those books. I, They're very rare, though. You might not have ever met. No, one. I know. If and, you went to enough clubs and all, you've probably. I probably met one. <laughs> I don't know if you met. <laughs> I probably dated one. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, Anne Rule is a really. She yeah, writes a lot fantastic. of uh, books so, yeah, about. She's prolific. Yeah. Like, um, well, she Stephen she King. was. She's still good. Ted Bundy. I, I, know. I mean, she worked. Suicide. Huh? Right. She sat You'd right walk next her to, to the him. Parking a lot. stranger beside me. And like, she liked him. Yeah. Well, that's, it. I mean, most serial killers probably are likable. That's how they get their victims easily. That's why easily. they're successful. Yeah. And they don't get caught for a while. Yeah, it's so funny that you mentioned Although Joseph Although I'm surprised Callinger. he's one of your favorite. I mean, Well, I, I, I mean, he's my, yeah. he's my favorite in a yeah. macabre sense. You know, like, my he, he's the most macabre. My sense your favorite is Bundy. No, 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 no. Joseph uh, Eileen Warnes. She's the one who was a hooker, a prostitute in Florida, free She was base, killing uh, uh, Killed a lot of her johns. Yeah. She only would kill the ones who want, try to rape or abuse yeah. her. Yeah, yeah. And normally you'd be like, come on, but yeah, you killed like seven or eight. But down there, I don't know. Maybe it's true. Well, you know, here's she's, a, she might be like Dexter. Well, you know? he, he, or ooh, she's, I love Dexter. I never yeah. saw that show. So if you had to pick three people who have really influenced you, who would they be and why? Jim Morrison of The Doors, because of the uh, eclectic nature within him, you know, to be really dark and want to embrace hedonism and almost shamanistic in terms of, or, you know, fearless, uh, but at the same time extremely intelligent and kind of sensitive and poetic and lyrical. And I love The Doors, but him in, in particular because of his personality. 
Another might be Paul Newman. Mm. Loved him as an actor. Yeah. Kind of a strange underdog quality where he was cynical and hopeful at the same time. Yeah. The camera loved him. He's gorgeous, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, and very socially responsible, too. Oh, yeah. Very socially responsible. Managed to stay married in Hollywood mm. for all those years. They stayed together. He lived outside of Hollywood in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. I, I really, and he lived a nice long time. And you know, you get props for this. I don't want to sound um, shallow, but he he managed to be gorgeous the whole time. Yeah, eyes. You know, yeah, but even at 80. People say that women age poorly, but when I look around now, I'm having my 50th class reunion. Wow. Some of the guys are like scary looking. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. But the women, more of the women look good than men. Right. I used to think Omar Sharif, gorgeous. He did not age right. well at all. The media in Hollywood are very right. tough on women. You know, first of all, even a woman with white hair or gray hair, it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So a lot of that is just the kind of sexism, or maybe you'd call it ageism. Do you watch a lot of English or Australian television? I don't. My wife, Patty, does. If you start watching them, you'll notice all of the actors and actresses aren't gorgeous. Good. In our real life. In our television, in our movies, yeah. everybody I hate that. is beautiful. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, know yeah, the, yeah. you know the movie The Help? Yeah. The main character in that is not supposed to be attractive. And they picked this gorgeous actress to play her. I'm Ooh, like, do you know? I don't even remember. The whole point is that yeah. she's not very attractive. Right, and that's right. why your parents are pushing her to marry whomever, off. because right. they figure she's never going to find a husband. She's beautiful. If that movie was made in England, right. she would have had no chin. She would have had close-set eyes. Yeah. Right. No, but even not sexy. Yeah, I'm yeah. telling you, they British and Australians yeah. and probably Europeans in general will take actors simply for their skill, not because they look gorgeous. Right. You watch, I agree with you. You know, you watch something that's made here. Everybody is incredibly pretty. You and know, that messes the men people up because then yeah. the women watching are the young girls or yeah, the teenagers. Yeah, you figure that's, that's like, normal. What's wrong to, with me? Yeah. yeah. I remember the movie Dogfight with River Phoenix and Lily Taylor. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know her as an actress. But the whole point was guys pick the ugliest women Ugh. before going away in the army and to go to this ball. And the girls are all happy. They're going to a ball. But the idea is you, the winner brings the ugliest girl. The ugliest girl, yeah. And guess what? In Hollywood, they had Lily Taylor play the... She's she's pretty. Yeah. So even even when they're going for the... What physically would be a dog, they have to cast someone who's Somebody actually pretty, pretty yeah. you know? I agree with you. And I feel that women do, in this sense, you guys get a harder curveball than us. Yeah. Well, like, even if you look at, and I, and I do this now, I can't help it. And, you know, yeah, I'm a feminist, blah, blah, blah. Oh, you are? Of course. You watch a movie, and then you watch the credits, and if you can find five female names in there, they're probably costumes. Well, that's changing, though. Casting. Now they're all yeah. directors. I well, mean, right now, it's well, a, not all. a year ago. Yeah. They're probably women of color directors. Right. Now. You always see all the key grip, the photographer, everything. Right. You know, Men. every once in a while, oh, casting would be a woman. Costuming would be a woman. Right, right. Like, all the little, like, girl, the girl things yeah, yeah, would be women. Right. Yes, we're used to it. doesn't mean we like it. And it doesn't mean it's fair. Right. You'd imagine there'd be 50-50 directors right. and 50-50 stories. Right. But there's not. Right. Although that seems to be changing. Well, although it's, it's changing, changing, but it's In not, a weird way. Yeah. And it's, it seems to be along um, race lines plus male or female. Both women and minorities have been left out. True. Hopefully someday it'll be more of a blind eye and it'll be based on talent. But I understand there needs to be radical change to get there because of systematic racism, systematic sexism, even things people don't talk about much, systematic ageism. Someone like me, based on my age, and at the moment, because I happen to be a white guy, I mean, honestly. Ah, come on. White guys still still have it easier than everybody else in the world. 
I guess that's fair. <laughs> no, but you're right. But less so. Ooh. Hollywood's not interested <laughs> so you don't in get the jokes. You don't get 90% of the, of the jobs. You only get 80% right. of them. <laughs> when you're already 54 and, and morbidly obese, that's it. Anyway, by the way, I do love the new Steven Spielberg trailer for West Side Story. I never saw uh, the original. Yeah. So are you interested in the Spielberg, or do you think it's blasphemy? I didn't even or? know that he was doing it. He's remaking it. Oh. And it's not note for note, but he's remaking it. Mm, that might bother me. Mm. Yeah. And, and by the way, I think going into it is a whole other subject. It's courageous of him in the sense that with cancel it, culture now. And I'm sorry, cancel culture is a made-up thing. So you think it doesn't exist? It, not really. I mean, people Are you have happy always... there are people fighting back? I mean, is, well, yeah, you, I you mean, think they're trying to put a negative connotation well, on you know, progress? I think people that complain about cancel culture are just mad because they don't have the privileges that they had before. So now all of a sudden, they had always had the best seats, the best this, the best that. Now all of a sudden, it's like, no, no, no. And they're like, oh, cancel culture. No, but culture. what about like Al Franken? Or I don't know what your opinion is about Cuomo is. Oh, I think Cuomo was a dirtbag. How about Al Franken? I loved Al Franken. Al Franken. And, and you think he, he got a raw deal? Oh, he absolutely did. If you, so if you look at culture. calling it cancel culture is minimizing what goes on. What happened with Al Franken was a hit job by the right. The woman that brought that up, she was an operative for the Republican Party. She made right. up a lot of stuff. Right. That's so what that's, I think. Yeah. I, oh, by no, the way, I absolutely. think about Cuomo too, maybe. Nah, Cuomo. I mean, I know he's entitled. I get that. But, yeah. And that needs to slowly change, too. But it, is it criminal? Should you be thrown out of office? He's just done what every strong white man... Then, then maybe they should all be thrown out of office. I mean, right. I'm sorry. Right. Al Franken, it was one person making one accusation. Cuomo, dozens of women making accusations. And he didn't even say he didn't do it. Oh, things have changed since I grew up. Like, he was, like, trying to make an excuse, like, well, this is the way men acted in the past. Well, yes, and white people used to hang blacks in the past. It doesn't mean it's okay to do it. So just, like, using that as an excuse is is just BS, in my opinion. I hear you. Now, I I don't want to insult you. Oh, boy. But like me, your singing is probably never going to get you on Star Search. (laughs) God bless. But you exude confidence. Where do you draw that from with your singing? Well, my attitude with that, by the way, is there it is a kind of a self-expression thing. I like singing. But also, I really am trying to tap into, but like these guys and women with an attitude who aren't necessarily good singers. Lou Reed, Iggy Pop. It's almost more about persona. How would you describe your music? Midlife crisis. <laughs> no, seriously. Midlife crisis, older rock and person. This, this is my attitude. One thing I do feel that these music companies to this day, they're forgetting an audience. They're always like young people buy content, right? Yeah. Young people buy streams, young people buy iTunes, young people mm-hmm. are blowing up Spotify and all this stuff. And that's fine. But there's an audience, I know this for a fact, of us in our generation that likes rock and roll, which is already a dying breed they could appeal to that audience more. I'm kind of straight ahead. Like, I'll say in my lyrics that at my age, that's my thing, like midlife crisis. And I almost accent it more negative than it is because, I mean, I feel some of these things, you know, there's strife can be in marriage and I wish I could be more full-blown artist, but I love my son. And these things happen, but, like, I almost kind of go there. Yeah. So, so where do you get the inspiration for your songs? From your own life? Yeah. I mean, my friends get annoyed at me because they're like, Joe, you're funny in real life. Like, why don't you do more comedy? You, people used to say I should be a stand-up comic. Like, totally different mm-hmm. than these videos. Yeah. Which are more dark and a little yeah. midlife crisis. Yeah, I, I just listened to uh, I Got Fired. 
Right. Oh, that's a good. good. You did your homework. <laughs> or the most recent uh, chain to your side. Now, on the surface, that almost means in a bad marriage. Yeah. Chain to your side. But then half the song is really about like uh, facing mortality and might having to face it alone if your wife doesn't love you or mm. kicks you to the curb or something. What I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to put a little piece in so that people can get an idea what I'm talking about. With your answering smile and your floating eyes R.I.P. Charlie as we bang on those drums all night I'm crippled by my cane and I'm cursed for sure Adore me as I look absurd Sipping on peanut greasy all the time With time keep on changing like chaos on the skyline don't want to be a dinosaur asleep. I think the winter mountain and you, that's all for me, as they say, in all time. Long. I tend to go to the dark side. I think with me, a lot of times, the arts for me are cathartic. Because, mm -hmm. like, in real life, I'm more funny mm -hmm. and this and that, but then I want to do bent. Or I like at close range, and I like reading about Callinger. You know, I always go to this kind of dark, Freudian, mm -hmm. yeah, that's... Yeah. You know, so maybe I guess it is cathartic for me. Mm -hmm. So this is this is gonna be our last question, Joe. <laughs> no. What right. things do you still want to do? Just almost about everything. That's another lyric in that last song, Shane to Your Size. I say something like, I prefer the mountain and winds of youth. That's my bag. Like I wanna do everything. I wanna dance. Why can't I dance? Because I'm heavy, Chris Farley danced. You know, I got white hair, so what? I can't be uh, sexy. So I want to kind of continue everything. And then with some of these latest um, changes in society, I'm very interested in not pushing those envelopes, but exploring those envelopes. So now there's a lot about, and totally understandable, Me Too, and how there's been a lot of taking advantage in workplaces and other. Is it happening less now, do you think? I mean, no, you haven't I, been I don't in know. Auction. I don't know if it's happening less or not. I think people are more aware of it. Guys are complaining more that they can't get away with things that they Does used that to get mean away with. they do with. it less, or uh, I don't know. Less? I think maybe they're doing it less because they're afraid of losing their jobs. So right. that's good. Right, but that would be like the only reason. They're not like kind of having a. Well, I think um, I think maybe some people are going epiphany. like, "Wow, I didn't even know." Yeah, I yeah, think some so. may get in, have an epiphany over that. But Joe, thank you. Thank you. That was awesome. Thank you very much. I love the arts, and I love to talk, and that's why I'm talking to local artists. And if you like listening, then subscribe to my podcast. You can do it on this page, on iTunes, or anywhere you get podcasts. I'm Lucille Sapio, and this is Hazlitt Coffee Talk.